God wants you to experience the life that He designed. We can't allow life to kill the dream that we dream. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You will look back on your life and you'll say, man, life is good. The Word of God brings the abundant life into focus and within your grasp. As you listen, open your heart and discover life. First, I just, in this song, it talks about opening up our eyes to wonder. And when we talk about Jesus, sometimes, you know, when it comes to Christmas time, it's the same old story, same tradition. Uh, You know, we do our same thing each year. But before we go into our Christmas program or our Christmas service, I'd like to just take a second and hit the refresh button on how we see Jesus, the most amazing gift ever given to human humans. And uh, it started a journey, a 33-year journey on this earth, but then it, it only continues for eternity, the gift that just keeps giving. And Jesus, when he was born, that should be remembered each year. But each year, there should be the same wonder, the same awe of that event. And so I just want to take a second. I'm going to pray, and then uh, in a moment we'll carry on. But God, just help us to hit that refresh button, to remember that day when Jesus entered the planet Earth, the best gift a human could ever want, the answer to the worst problem. And God, thank you for the journey that Jesus went on on this earth for us, for each one of us to know us personally. And so God, just like this song says about about knowing Jesus more, we just ask that uh, as we open our eyes again and wonder that you show us a new part of Jesus this year, this Christmas season that we have never seen before. Is everybody on board with me with that? We just don't want a typical Christmas anymore, do we? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, with that being said, we're, John's going to start us off in a Oh, come all ye faithful. <laughs> and we're, feel free to join in. The words will be on the screen. And so John's going to get us started with oh, that. Well, we're all going to sing. <laughs> <laughs> Because I've never, I've never played and sang this song, so we're all going to sing this song. But I'll start us off here, so, yeah, so. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, come ye, oh, come ye to Come and adore Him, born the King of angels. Oh, come, let us adore Him, 
adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the fun having the kids come in from a live wire here. I want to read to you the Christmas story this morning. So everyone listen up carefully. The birth of Jesus it says, During those days, the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, ordered that the first census be taken throughout the land that he ruled. Everyone had to travel to his or her hometown to complete the mandatory census. So Joseph and his fiancée, Mary, left Nazareth, a village in Galilee, and returned to their hometown in Judea, to the village of Bethlehem, King David's hometown. They were required to register there since they were both direct descendants of David. Mary was pregnant and nearly ready to have the baby. When they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor, and there her first son was born. After wrapping the newborn baby in strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. That night, in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with blazing glory of God, and the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it is for everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by this miraculous sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Then, all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven. And they all praised God, singing, Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and good hope given to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappeared back into heaven, the angels said to one another, Let's go, let's hurry and find this child that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. So they ran into the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the feeding trough, just as the angels had said. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds retold what had just happened. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flock ecstatic over what had happened. They praised God and glorified him for all they had heard and seen for themselves, just like the angel had said. Good morning, boys and girls. 
Sister Cornemore and I are going to be sharing with you the Christmas story. So everybody can just enjoy this together and be refreshed. So take it away, Sister Cornemore. Is it on? Testing. 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 There it is. No, it's on. Share. We'll share. Testing. There it is. Okay, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. The birth of Jesus Christ is one of the most important events that's ever taken place in history. Jesus is God's gift to the entire world. And God foretold the birth of his son thousands of years before he even came. In fact, the very first prophecy of the Bible, spoken in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, there God announced the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. Many times, people send out birth announcements and have parties called showers to get people ready for the birth of a child, right? And the birth of Jesus was so important that God didn't want anyone to miss it. So he sent out hundreds of birth announcements for thousands of years before Jesus was born. These birth announcements came in the form of prophecies. In fact, in every book of the Bible, there's a word an example, a picture that describes the coming of Jesus. The Bible foretold the town that Jesus would be born in, Bethlehem, what kind of woman he would be born from, the tribe or family lineage that Jesus would come from, that Jesus and his family would have to flee to Egypt after he was born, that children would be killed during the time of his birth, that he would be called a Nazarene, after all those years and all those birth announcements, the day finally arrived that Jesus was born. An angel by the name of Gabriel, who's a very powerful angel, in fact, he's one of the archangels, he visited a young teenage girl by the name of Mary. When Mary saw the angel, it says she was troubled and she was afraid at his greeting. The angel told her, Mary... You are highly favored, and the Lord is with you, and that you are blessed among all women of the earth. Mary was engaged to a young man by the name of Joseph. Before they were married, the angel came to Mary and said, You're going to have a baby. She was shocked. I'm going to have a baby? I'm not even married. But the angel told Mary, that the child would have a supernatural birth, that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the child would be called the Son of God. Mary was told that God's word to her was powerful and if she would believe it, it would happen. Mary told the angel that she was willing to do that and carry the precious gift of Jesus who was the Savior of the whole world. But when Mary told Joseph the news... He did not believe her and was going to call off the marriage. But God came to Joseph in a dream at night and told him that Mary was indeed carrying the Savior of the world. 
So Joseph agreed to marry Mary. <laughs> but he would wait until Jesus was born. So nine months passed, and Mary and Joseph had to travel 90 miles from their home to a little town in Judea named what? Bethlehem. There we go. They had to register for taxes in the town of their ancestors. Can you imagine riding a donkey for 90 miles if you were nine months pregnant? When they got to the town, it was crowded because everyone had come there to register. There was no room for them in any hotels. But a man said that they could stay in a barn with the animals. So there in a barn, among the animals, Jesus, the Savior of the world, God's great gift to mankind, was born. At the same time, there were shepherds in a field nearby. They were keeping watch over their sheep. And an angel appeared to them and announced that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The angel told the shepherds that they would find the child wrapped in swaddling clothes, in other words, strips of cloths, and lying in a manger, the place the animals ate their food. And then suddenly, a huge angelic army appeared and began to sing, Glory, Glory to God, God in the highest, and on earth peace among men. people, in whom, whom he, he is, is pleased. pleased. <laughs> you weren't paying attention. <laughs> he changed the word up on me. People. It says man in the Bible. People. I know it does. <laughs> so after the angel <laughs> and the heavenly army had disappeared, the shepherds went at once to Bethlehem and searched until they found Joseph, Mary, and the baby, just as the angel told them. They told everyone what had happened to them, how they'd seen the angel and the heavenly army and the things the angel said about this child. Then they returned glorifying and praising God, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Amen. Good job. <laughs> okay well it's jesus birthday right that's what we celebrate so how about we want to sing happy birthday to jesus and we are going to have a cake come out <laughs> there's a cake that's coming <laughs> And we're going to sing happy birthday to Jesus. Okay? Here it comes. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. Happy birthday to you. All right, well, kids, will you do me one favor? Would you save me a piece of cake? Just a big corner piece? All right. God bless you guys. Well, turn to somebody, everybody, and shake their hands, say, sure, I'm glad you're here today.
All right. Well, praise God. We had, um, we had some people that turned up sick today and uh, some other things. So we kind of had to improvise a little bit. Uh, I guess there's some, some people that are struggling with some sickness. But anyways, we, uh, we made it. Praise God. That's awesome. And uh, uh, so wonderful that you came. I want to receive our offering today, our tithes and offerings. If the ushers could please help me. If you're giving out, if you are giving cash, would like a receipt, one of these ushers could give you an offering envelope. If you make it out a check, make out your check to Destiny Church. Amen. Praise God. Um, our worship leader, thank you, John, for leading worship. Let's give John a good hand, worship team. Um, <clears throat> worship leader's gone. Uh, some of the other band members were sick, so we just, uh, we, we made it. Praise God. And I'm glad you're here and not sick. Sickness is not a blessing from God, I'll tell you that right now. But um, anyways, uh, let's pray over our offering. Lord, we just thank you that we can give. You are, you've given so much to us, Lord. And we're just so grateful for everything that you've done for us. We just uh, thank you for your incredible gift of Christ. And we just give back to you, Lord, what you have so generously given to us. We're so grateful for everything, Jesus. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, man. You can pass the offering buckets. We had a men's meeting yesterday. And, uh, you know, a week ago I talked about the woman's meeting. And I just talked about how the men made the woman's meeting classy. And I don't know what the women did to the men's meeting. They, they made it so that we could eat. I know that. And uh, we had awesome food. And, uh, and I have to say that Josh and, his, and Ryan over here won the sawing contest. And it was rigged. But, but I, I have to tell you something about that because uh, the, the, the saw was owned by an ex-Amish guy and they beat him. You should be amazed by that. And so anyways, but I, I don't know, it might have been rigged, but, <laughs> but no, we had a great time. We had about 70 guys there. We had it set up in the back and um, I think it was just a really fun time, something guys like to do, you know, uh, we had uh, Stan showed us some carving, Ryan over here showed us how to butcher a deer, so we had a deer carcass there, and part of it, and uh, how to debone it, and cut it, do the different cuts, and the rest of us ate and drank coffee. <laughs> Jeremy gave a great message, so we really had a great time, it was awesome, I think I, did I miss anybody? I think that's everybody, but I just want to tell the ladies, thank you ladies, so much for helping and feeding us. We were so blessed. So we give the ways a good hand. The food, was, the food was absolutely amazing. It was awesome. My wife has an announcement here. Um, I just wanted to give, have you uh, draw your attention to the little Christmas tree out in the entryway in the lobby. Um, it has pictures of kids from India on it. And um, we've been supporting these kids for probably five years. Um, and we send money to them monthly. Um, there's 17 kids that are being taken care of over in India. I was over there about three years ago. And these kids are, they're amazing. They're uh, growing up. They're all teenagers now, 13 and up, 17. Can you imagine having 
17 kids, teenagers. <laughs> so um, anyway, Matt supernaturally got it, um, introduced to Jacob, who runs the orphanage. And, um, and um, so he talks to him every week, probably s- several times a week, and encourages them, and they uh, keep track on what's going on with the kids. There's a lot when you're raising kids. They need the food amount has increased and clothes. They go to a Christian school. And so um, we just wanted to, we have been supporting them, but we would like to uh, give you guys a chance to help. And um, we really, they kind of need an increase in the amount of food they, um, money they need for all of their needs. So um, we've put pictures of the kids out there. There's also a van that needs upkeep. There's a Jacob and his wife, Rachel. They have a, a child, Stanley. And um, they're about to have another baby. So if you would love to take one of those, and um, we, we're asking for like $30 if you have on your heart to whatever you have on your heart to, to um, donate like monthly, we send that over. And we just give that to, um, to the office here, to Linda, and then... It's for the India kids. Um, so I was over there three years ago, and it's just amazing. We would, what are those little cars that they, they use over there? What are they called again? Um, rickshaw. Oh, rickshaw. Man, we all 17 of those kids got in a rickshaw. I don't even know how they all fit in there. They go, they all fit in there? And they're just little voices coming out of there. Hi, Trish. Thanks, Trish. And I'm going, you're all in there? But anyway, it was just a blast to be over there and see how everybody over there, everybody honks to let you know it's not rude to honk. Everybody's honking. I'm here. I'm here. Move out of my, you know, don't run into me. Oh, here, it's rude to honk. But over there, it's like, I'm here. And so there was beeping, honking, and uh, everybody trying to get somewhere. So anyway, just a reminder about that. So Christmas is a good time to share with other people. So God bless you. Amen. Praise God. Let's all stand one more time. I'm doing aerobics this morning. And uh, go find somebody and tell them what you want for Christmas. Go ahead. Tell them. <laughs> tell them. Just tell Go find somebody. Just tell them what you want for Christmas. <clears throat> Praise Praise God. Some of you don't want anything. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, some people have a long list. All right, you may be seated. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And, um, you know, at this time of the year, uh, we, like I said, we celebrate the birth of Christ. And, you know, Christ coming into the world was an amazing gift to us. I don't think most people realize how, what a dr- dramatic change came, took place when Jesus came. It was amazing. And, and God's dealings with men. And, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, everything was based on, you know, you had to be obedient to the law, keep every commandment. And, and then you earn, basically earned your place as a child of God. 
Jesus came along and, and he calls us to live our lives by faith. In other words, he provides things for us and he wants us to receive those things by faith. And so one of the things that I always think about when I preach on Sunday is I always think about ways in which I can get you to think about what Jesus did for you and what he provided and made available to you. So in other words, I want you to leave here this morning. I want you to be excited about, oh man, this is awesome. Jesus did this for us. Um, but there's another side to, to this whole thing, and that is our participation in it. And, um, and there's some principles or some words that typify our response to what Jesus did for us. Um, and I wish I could just say that I could sit on my sofa at home and just, you know, click through the channels and all of a sudden all these blessings would just fall on me automatically. But it doesn't happen that way, children. <laughs> I'm still in the child mode. Children, it doesn't happen that way. But God's provided it for us, but we have to pursue it. We have to go after it. And um, there's, a, there's a verse in Luke, and I, I, I wrote, I, I put down several verses, but I'd like to uh, just kind of read the last two verses to you. It says, the law and the prophets, this is Luke chapter 16, I think it's verse 16. Or, it says, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. In other words, Jesus is, was declaring certain things about his kingdom. And he's put it out there. And then what was happening is people were forcing their way into it. In other words, they were, uh, one, one translation says, they a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought for with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Think about that. In other words, Jesus proclaimed it. And you can kind of see that Jesus healed people sometimes just without them even, it seemed like they weren't even cooperating. He just walked up to them and said, you know, be healed. But other times that if people wanted it, they had to go after it. You know, like the woman with the issue of blood, she pressed into the, she forced herself into the press and she touched the hem of his garment. Uh, there were people that had to go after it. Uh, Jairus's daughter, Jairus came seeking healing from Jesus. And there was bad news, but he just, Jesus told him to keep pushing forward. And so there's a part that we play in having God's best in our lives. And we have to put forth some effort. We have to put forth some exertion. How many follow what I'm saying? It's just that we have to exert ourselves in the right way and not think that we are uh, earning something or that we are trying to do good enough so that we are worthy enough to have something because Jesus' blood has made us worthy. Amen. And so what we're doing is we're, we're, uh, we want to receive or we want to have everything God has provided for us. You know, the children of Israel, God kept telling them, I've given you the land, but they had to, they had to fight some battles. They had to force or push their way into that land, take possession of what Jesus provided or what God provided for them. And that's true with us today, is God, Jesus provided awesome things for us, but we have to put forth some effort, some exertion to have what Jesus has provided for us. And so I, I called this sermon, I titled it God's SS Squad. 
I know SS is not probably a very good, you're probably thinking SS. Uh, but SS stands for two words that I want you to be acquainted with this morning. And, uh, and so the, the establishment of God's purpose always involves sacrifice and stretching. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that. Sacrifice and stretching. The fulfillment of God's purpose always involves sacrifice and stretching. Always involves sacrifice and stretching. And so God's purpose for our life, like I said to you last week, is fivefold. So, so think about these five things. The first thing is that God's purpose is for us to be a worshiper of God, a worshiper of God. This has to do with our relationship with him. God calls us into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the second thing, second purpose is for us to be like Jesus. This has to do with our character and our integrity. God wants us to have integrity and character. The third thing is God wants us to be a part of a local church, a local body of believers. This has to do with us being connected to other people, not just to be a bone on our own. Amen? How many know that a bone that's not connected usually dries up? So he, he wants us to be connected to other believers in a local church. The fourth thing is to discover our spiritual gift. We all have a spiritual gift. This is all about serving, and this has to do with serving by grace. God, the gift, when the gift is given, it's given by grace, and when we use the gift, we impart grace. And so this has to do with us discovering our spiritual gift. And the last thing is, uh, last purpose is to tell other people about Jesus. This has to do with our mission. We're supposed to tell other people about Jesus. How many know that those, those five things, if you think about each one of those things, that there is sacrifice and there's stretching around those five things. You know that they say that most Christians have never led someone else to the Lord. They say that. Most Christians have never led someone else to the Lord. And actually, there's a large percentage of Christians that have never shared their faith with anybody. And so what that tells me is they don't, they're not stretching. They're not stretching because how many know that if you t walk out, if you tell somebody about Jesus, how many know that will make you feel uncomfortable? Thank you for your enthusiasm. I remember one time, you know, I was, when I was first saved, I lived in Minneapolis. And so we were, we, we had this group, we called ourselves God Squad. And we'd pass out tracks on the streets. And, um, and so some, somebody had heard that somebody else had done a street meeting where they got up and preached. And so our God squad, we were, we were talking and we we're, you know, we're kind of like jawing with each other. And, you know, you know how guys are, you know, uh, we're, we're, you know, talking big. And all of a sudden someone says, let's have a street meeting. And so not to want to be un, outdone, I go, yeah, we ought to have one. And so then, because I opened my big mouth and I street me, they said, well, can, you can preach. And so I go, uh, what? You know, so anyway, so Hennepin Avenue, I don't know if you ever heard of Hennepin Avenue in downtown Minneapolis. There was a, a restaurant called Big Boys. I don't know if it's still there or not. But um, and so we used to go down there every week, every every week, once a week in the summer. And we used to have street meetings. And so what we do is we take two two lawn chairs or two folding chairs and then we'd have American flag because one the first week the cops shut us down because we didn't have American flag. And so we had American flag. 
And so we would tape the American flag to the light pole. We put our two uh, chairs there. Then we would sing worship songs or songs. And then we'd get up and preach. Now, you, this is a, a very intimidating situation. I'm telling you that right now. And this is a very stretching situation. And so, and, and I tried to prepare a sermon ahead of time, but it, when you're out there on the street, sermons don't work. You just got to scream at everybody. And so, you better, you know, and, and so I would try to have, be positive. I didn't want to say, you're all going to hell. You know, I didn't want to do that because, you know, then there, there'd be more of that be with them than be with us. If you understand what I'm saying. So, so we would get up there and uh, I, we had this one, we just preached sermon. We'd take turns. When I got done, then somebody else would we'd sing a song. Then somebody else would get up there and preach. But these are incredible stretching. And you know what's interesting about it is we had guys in that group that weren't preachers, but they would preach. And I remember, I remember this one guy. Now, listen to this story. I don't know why I'm telling you this story, but let me just tell you. Um, so this one guy, he gets up there. He was, a, he was actually going to the University of Minnesota to be an architect. architect. And she was a very smart guy. And so he gets up there and he starts sharing Jesus. He was doing an amazing job. And all of a sudden, somebody that he knew from school walked by. And then he goes, so he, without even breaking a hint, without even breaking his cadence, he calls the guy's name out. And he goes, Fred, whatever his name was, Fred. And Fred goes, Mark? <laughs> Because Mark's up on, a chair, on two chairs on Hennepin Avenue preaching. And he goes, Fred, Jesus loves you. Mark? <laughs> and he keeps walking and, and he keeps going as he disappears in the crowd. Fred, come back. <laughs> but the sequel to that story, the sequel to that story is Fred's mom and Mark's mom knew each other. And they played bridge together every week. And so Fred's mom couldn't wait to go to the bridge party to tell Mark's mom and all the other ladies, yeah, we saw Mark on the street. And, and so she did that. He, she told uh, the other bridge ladies there. And, uh, and so the mom came home and said, Mark, why can't you be on drugs like the other kids? <laughs> Isn't that terrible? So anyways, but, uh, but here's, here's my point. If these, think about this, if these are the five purposes God has for your life, you got to think in terms of two, two things, two words, SS, sacrifice and stretching. If you're unwilling to sacrifice or unwilling to stretch, then the purposes of God will not be fulfilled. I'm pausing to let that sink in. There's always sacrifice and stretching around these Five purposes. There's always, you know. I was thinking, you know, I um I watched this movie, United ninety three. How many ever heard of that? That was nine eleven. It was one of the jetliners that was taken over by the terrorists. And um, I don't like to watch movies where I know the end. You know, like watch the Titanic movie. I don't want to watch this. I know the boat sinks. You know, there's no chance the boat isn't going to sink. You know, so it's kind of like uh, I know thousands of people are going to die, and I know the lifeboats aren't going to all be filled, and they're going to be all this regret. And I hate watching movies like that. And so I, I, I actually didn't like to watch this movie because I know they all die. You know, you know what I mean? It's, there's no chance that, the, that somebody's going to get a hold of the plane. They're going to take it over and they're going to land and everybody's going to be saved. There's no chance that that's going to happen. I know they're all going to die, but I watched it anyways. 
And it, it was very interesting because some of the, I'm sure they added some things, but it was interesting that once they took over the airplane and they pushed, the, pushed all the passengers in the back, and so the passengers started calling people because they have phones in the backs of the chairs. And so they started calling people and they found out that several other planes had been hijacked on 9-11. And they found out that they had flown the planes into buildings, the Pentagon, World Trade Center, North and South Tower. And so they knew, the passengers knew, this plane was probably going to be flown into a building. So the passenger knew that, you know, at least most of them figured we're going to die. But the terrorists kept telling them, you know, we're going to negotiate, we're going to get our demands made, and you'll be all let go to try to keep the passengers quiet. But when, when they started making the phone calls, they found out we're probably going to die. But it was interesting, they still had passengers there, and they got this from, from the phone calls, that didn't want to do anything. They didn't want to do a thing. They want to just say, well, maybe, maybe there's a chance that they won't do anything. Maybe there's a chance they'll negotiate. Maybe there's a chance we'll be okay. Let's not do anything. Let's just sit here and hope for the best. And other people said, no. If all these other planes flew into, flew into buildings, this thing is headed for a building. We're going to die. And so what they did was they decided, a bunch of them decided to rush the cockpit, throw hot boiling water on the terrorists, take them out, take over the airplane. That's what they decided to do. And so they actually heard in the cockpit voice recorder, they heard the terrorists, you know, the, 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 the passengers breaking down the door, attacking the terrorists, and the, the, one of the terrorists was flying, trying to, trying to, you know, he was flying back and forth, trying to get the people off balance. And, and they kept saying, should we, should we crash at the plane? The terrorists kept saying this. No, not yet. You could hear the, the uh, passengers busting down the door. It was their only hope, their only chance. They had to take action. Are you still with me? They had to take action. Let me say this to you. You've got to take action. When it comes to purpose and spiritual things and the things of the kingdom of God, you've got to take action. You can't just wait. You've got to do something. How many know what I mean? You can't just passively sit by and wait and just hope that everything will work out. You've got to be a person of action. You've got to take action action. You've got to be willing to stretch yourself. You've got to be willing to sacrifice to see the kingdom of God come forth. And the great thing about it is, is that if we're willing to do that, God will meet us and God will act on our behalf. And so here's the thing. If there's no sacrifice, if there's no stretching, there's no progress and there's no reward. I, I preached a sermon years ago and I titled it the miracle is in the stretching. You know, Jesus, how many know that uh, if you ask a pregnant lady, if you say being pregnant and giving birth to a life, tell me about it. What was it like? And she'll tell you uncomfortable, pressure, stretching. In fact, I have marks to prove it. Isn't that true? But what happened was through that, a new life was born. 
And the same is true with our spiritual life. If we expect for new life to break forth without there being a stretching or there being sacrifice, it's just unrealistic. It won't happen. See, sacrifice, think about this. So the two words, SS, sacrifice and stretching, sacrifice is at the heart of Christianity. Isn't that true? Without Christ's sacrifice, there's no redemption. There's no forgiveness of sins. There's no inheritance. There's no heaven. There's no eternal hope. All is hopeless without Christ's sacrifice. That's, that's at, the, at the heart of Christianity. Sacrifice is at the heart of Christianity. You know what? Years ago, I, I preached in, I went, we went to a place in Ukraine and preached. It was on, it was, uh, on uh, the Danube River, where the Danube River emptied into the Black Sea. And we had spent, I can't tell you how many sleepless Time. I hadn't seen a bed in, I can't remember how long. And then when we got to our hotel, we couldn't take a nap or anything because it was time to go to the meeting. So I was exhausted. I was seeing things, you know. I was, oh, there's something there, you know. I was like that. And then we couldn't use the elevator because they kept shutting the power off. And if you're in this elevator, it's just a small elevator, European elevator. And if you shut the power, they shut the power off at random, when the power would go off, they, sometimes it go off for 12 hours. You're stuck in this little elevator. So they said, don't use the elevator. So we had to walk up and down six flights of stairs to get to our room, from our room. So my legs are shaking from going up and down these stairs. So we go to the meeting, and so they asked me to preach. So I preached, and then they said, we have a, at least 100, maybe 200 people that want to be prayed for. They all want to be prayed for. And I'm like, oh, man, are you kidding me? I just couldn't believe it. And so I'm just complaining. You know, I, I know you wouldn't think I would complain, but I actually was complaining under my breath. I'm going, can't they come back tomorrow after I get some sleep? And then I could pray for them? I mean, this, this has to be now. And so I start praying for these people. And I came to the end of one line after I got done praying, and I was just like exhausted. And all of a sudden I heard God speak to me. And he said, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. The outcry, this is what he said, the outcry of this place is so great. Thank you for coming. And I just started to weep so that I finished the rest, praying for the rest of the people, just weeping because I thought, wow, just think about that. I'm thinking about, I need some sleep and, and I'm, I'm being stretched and I'm uncomfortable, but God is saying these people's needs are so great. I mean, how many know sometimes that you, all you can do is focus on yourself and what, what's going on with me and how I'm discomforted and how this is not that and that's not this and all that. But I, he said, what about these people? How, w w the need that they have. And it really affected me greatly. And so without, without sacrifice, there is no redemption. But here's the other thing. Without our sacrifice, there's no proclamation. There's no demonstration. There's no manifestation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus sacrificed for our redemption, but then he asks us, would you sacrifice, would you stretch yourself to share this wonderful message? And if you don't go, would you, would you give money so others could go, that this great message could be spent throughout the whole world? See, any time God is about to do something amazing in the earth, there's always a call to sacrifice. If you want God's incredible blessings and you want your life to remain, you want to protect your life, you don't want any, any of your time 
or any of your uh, stuff to ever be affected by it. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, it doesn't mean that you give and then you end up, you know, living in a monastery penniless because God promises that if you, if you give, I'll make sure your sacrifice is not unrewarded. He tells us that he will reward us. Amen? And so, I mean, th- everything, I mean, you're sitting in, like I said this, I think I said this last week, you're sitting in a building that was built by sacrifice. People that came before you, and some of them are still here, sacrificed a great deal that this building could be built. And uh, others. And so, sometimes the measure of what God is going to do is tied directly to the measure of our sacrifice. This includes our time, our money, our life, our rights, ownership to our life. But God takes our sacrifices and he multiplies it back to us a hundred times. Remember, I think I read this verse last week, but let's read it again. It's found in Peter. Peter, or not in Peter, it's about Peter. It's Mark chapter 10, Mark 10. It says, you know, Jesus just got done telling the rich young ruler to sell everything. It's very important that you see that he told the rich young ruler to sell everything. Then Peter spoke up and said, we have left everything to follow you. Notice he didn't say, Peter didn't say we, we sold everything. He said we left everything. Because after the resurrection, Peter went back to his boat. So they hadn't sold his boat. He didn't sell his boat. He left it, though, to follow Jesus. And then Jesus said, no one has left homes, brothers, sisters, And he goes through the list. Listen to this last phrase. For me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times. Everybody say a hundred times. Doesn't mean you'll have a hundred houses, but you'll have a hundred times better one if you want one. Who would ever want to have a big house? You got to clean this thing. How many many houses don't stay clean by themselves? Unless you can find somebody to clean it. I don't know. But, but, but who'd want, I mean, you, you want to have a house big enough that you, you know, you can move around in. But I guess mini houses are in now. I don't know if I could do that. I couldn't do a mini house, but I could do a little bit bigger house maybe. But, but he said a hundred times in this present age. Then he says homes, brothers, fathers, mothers, children, Fields and in the and along with persecution and in the world to come eternal life. So he says, God will reward you a hundred times. He says, in other words, you're not gonna outgive me. I'm gonna outgive you. You know, I have this funny story, I don't know why I thought of it, but um, years ago we had this preacher come to our church and uh, he drove up in a Mercedes Benz. And you know, I was this is a lot a long time ago. I was really struggling as a preacher. I mean, I was a struggling preacher. And I think the thing that, the only thing that we owned that was a value, everything else was just junk, was a, I think we had a refrigerator that was, this is a, and I used to look at that refrigerator and go, I own this. <laughs> and this is awesome. This refrigerator is awesome. It was green. Remember when the green was in? It's a long time ago, yeah. Green's not in anymore. But I go, look at this refrigerator. I own this refrigerator. This is a green refrigerator and I own it. Everything else, I didn't want to claim that I owned it, but I don't know if somebody came in the night and dropped this junk off. I don't know where it came from. But, um, but anyways, so this guy drives up in a Mercedes. I'm, going, I'm looking at him going, Mercedes? And so I actually said to God, I said, God, 
I would like to have a Mercedes. But sometimes you need to uh, be careful what you wish for. But. So here's the crazy part of the story. 16 years later, somebody calls me and says, I got a car I want to give you. I said, okay. Um, yeah. It, and he drives up, and it's a Mercedes-Benz. And it's 16 years old. And I'm going, okay. So he gives me this Mercedes-Benz, 16 years old. And I'm sitting there thinking, what do I want a Mercedes for? <laughs> I got kids. I need, a, I, need a, I need a Suburban. I mean, I don't, need a, I don't need a Mercedes. And I'm sitting there going, I don't know how this happened or why this happened. I'm, I'm thinking that. And all of a sudden, I remembered that 16 years earlier, I said, Lord, I want a Mercedes. Isn't that wild? So be careful what you pray about. But I'm just trying to tell you is that you're never going to outgive God, ever. You're never going to outgive him. He will definitely outgive you. You know, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible, and i got to quit here, but are you guys still with me? Are you glad you came to church? or Are you trying to figure out what happened? In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5, Paul talks here about, about giving. Now listen to this. Verse 15, he said, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Except you only. That's, that's, a, that's a disappointing verse, if you ask me. Because he's saying that no one, he said, I started all these churches, but no one shared with me. And he didn't say no one gave to me. He said no one other church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Notice how he words it. Giving and receiving. He doesn't just say giving, because that's how we would say, would you partner with me and would you give to me? He didn't say it like that. He said no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. So what he's saying is, you give to me, buddy, you're going to receive. That's what he's saying. No one began to partner with me in this thing about giving and receiving, but you only. And then he talked about all the different times that they gave to him. And he said, not that I desire the gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I go, my account. Where's my account? We all have a, probably a bank account, but there, evidently there's an account somewhere. And that account, when I give, it's credited to my account. In other words, God notices it. Do you remember the story where Jesus noticed that widow that gave two mites? She threw it in, and Jesus goes, you know, everybody was giving, and Jesus wasn't saying anything. All of a sudden, this, this widow gave two mites, and Jesus, hey, 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 look at that. You paid attention. She gave everything right there, right there. Check it out. And so he said, I want, I want more to be credited to your account. Then he talks about being full. He's received. And then he says this. He ends it by saying, and my, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, he said that in the context 
of this. How many know that's an amazing promise? My God will meet all your needs. I remember one time I had this debate with this guy. He's saying, he said he'd meet your needs, not your wants. I said, okay, you want to go down that road? Okay, let's go down that road. You actually don't need a car. Years ago, they rode horses. I mean, you actually don't need a house. I mean, they used to live in teepees around here. You want to go down that road? I mean, what actually do you need? Really? I mean, isn't that true? You can get by with hardly anything. I mean, you don't need three pairs of pants. You can just have one. But the Bible tells us that they that seek the Lord shall not want for any good thing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In the Bible, God, um, my mom used to read me that when I was a kid, and, and I used to interpret it like, the Lord is my shepherd, but I don't want him. And I used to think, why doesn't David want the Lord? But I, <laughs> but I never wanted to act like I was interested. So I never asked her that. But what he's saying is, I'll not want for any good thing. You think God, he does not hold out on us. When he says he, he'll meet our needs, he is the God of too much. He'll give us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But we have to be willing to turn it loose. And that's what these people do. Did They partnered with him in the gospel, in the spreading of the gospel. Amen. So as I conclude, and as the worship team comes on up here, let me, let me just tell you one more story about this. Because I think, you know, Christmas is a time of giving. I think this is really an important thing to have set in our minds. How many remember the story of Mary when she poured the ointment on Jesus? Remember that story? Now, I want you to think about this for a second. So this Mary comes in. There's Jesus sitting there. And she takes this ointment. Now, it says the ointment was worth 300 denarii. Now, I read one commentator. He said that's about a, a year's salary for a working man. So, I mean, how many know that if, if, this, if this box of ointment is worth a year's salary, it's pretty expensive. Expensive ointment, a little dab will do you. It's like, what's that, that, that Bureau cream? A little dab will do you. You don't need to be excessive. Jesus, or Mary comes, and she dumps the whole thing on him. Right? And so what would you think? I think we wasted some of it. Some of it probably fell on the, went on the ground. and I mean, it's just, He's just dripping. I mean, it's just dripping off of him. And this is stuff that they had to travel. I mean, I can't remember what country it came from and, and how they had to go about to get it. It was very a very extravagant process, and it was very wealth, very valuable. And she dumped it all on him. And they said, and you know who, said, who brought it up first? Judas. Why was this waste? That's why I never, like, when a preacher is raising money for something, I never judge it based on where I'm at. Like I know there's a preacher that was raising money for a jet airplane. And everybody's going, well, he doesn't need a jet airplane. What is, it up, what, is, what is it up to you? Why are you inserting yourself in this? 
I mean, if he was saying, I'm going to raise money to feed orphans and then bought a jet airplane, I say we should speak up. But he said, I want to buy a jet airplane. You want to send me some money? People send him money because evidently got it. But I'm not going to stand around going, well, he doesn't need a jet airplane. How do you know he doesn't need a jet airplane? You don't need a jet airplane, but he might need one. It's getting quiet in here right now, isn't it? <laughs> but I don't want to, in the story, I don't want to be Judas. Well, he doesn't need a jet airplane. This is a waste of money. There's poor people everywhere. Well, why don't you give your money to poor people? Oh. I see how that works. And so Judas goes, why? Are you give all this? Why did you give all that money to him? There are poor people. They always bring that up, poor people. But you know what's interesting about that? The very next verse after Jesus said, leave her alone. She did what she could. Yeah, it was extravagant. It was a whole man's year's salary. Yeah, it was very extravagant. To you it was wasteful, but she anointed my body for burial. And then it says Judas. He got rebuked. How many can see that? He got rebuked because of his greed. And Jesus, you know what the next thing it says that Judas did? He went to the high priest and he talked about how he could betray Christ. Isn't that powerful? That's why sometimes you just got to be quiet. You say, well, if I was him, I wouldn't do that. No, if you were him, you're saying if you were you in the situation. If you were him, it's getting quiet in here. I know you talk about money and extravagant. People are like, that's wasteful. Well, why do you need two cars? Why do you need two pairs of pants? I mean, come on. Why don't you sell your pair of pants, your other pair of pants, and give it to the poor? Well, don't be ridiculous. Okay, I won't be. Right? Well, it, let, me tell you, let me tell you something really hard. Why don't you sell your hunting rifle? Sell your browning hunting rifle and buy a Mossberg or something. Well, I can't shoot a Mossberg. I don't know, maybe they're expensive now. They used to be cheap when I was a kid, but. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but Jesus and the kingdom is worth it. Amen? Let's all stand together. So Christmas is a time of giving. It's a time of sacrifice. It certainly is a time of stretching. And when it comes to purpose, those two things, sacrifice and stretching. Because here's what I, I think, you know, God, someday we'll all answer to God, you know, for what we did. And, he'll, and, he, and it's always around purpose. What was the purpose of your life? What did God, what was the purpose that God had for your life? And so then what will be involved is sacrifice, did you sacrifice for purpose? Did you stretch yourself for purpose? Or did you play it safe? Did you, did you play it comfortable? I don't want to be uncomfortable. And I got it. I get, I get it. I'm with you. But there are times 
when you're called to sacrifice. There are times when you're called to stretch yourself. I mean, think about stretching just for a second. You can't even spit without pressure. What's spitting without pressure? What do they call it? Drooling. Rubber bands work best when they're stretched. I mean, you go through, there's so many things when you think about it. If without, without stretching, without pressure, you just can't, it doesn't work very good. And you actually need some pressure in your life. I know you don't want any pressure, but I mean, your muscles don't develop without pressure. Diamonds are formed under extreme heat and under pressure. It's important that you have pressure. And sometimes, you know, life will hand you pressure or you can put yourself in situations where you're stretching yourself. Boy, this is a stretching situation for me. Good. That's awesome. It's good. Yeah. And we don't think that, but, but it's actually really good. Amen. Let's sing this song. You got a song we can sing? Okay.
love goes on and on and on and on. Sing deeper. And deeper than any ocean. Oh, your love goes on and on and on and on. And higher than any mountain. Oh, your love goes on and on and on and on. Your love. And your love goes on and on. Sing your love, and your love goes on and on and on and on. Cause there is no ending to your love that holds on, won't let go. Love that won't leave me on my own. And I'm falling deeper that holds on won't let go love that won't leave me on my own there is no ending to your love that holds on won't let go love that won't leave me on my own and I'm falling deeper into your love that holds on won't let go love that won't leave me on my own sing deeper and deeper than any ocean oh your love goes on and on and on and on and higher than any mountain oh your love goes on and on and on and on oh deeper than any ocean your love goes on and on and on and on and Your love goes on and on and on and on. Sing your love. And your love goes on and on and on and on. Your love. And your love goes on and on and on and on. Sing your love. And your love goes on and on and on and on. Your love goes on and on and on and on. Oh, your love goes on and on and on and on. And your love goes on and on and on and on. Well, praise God. Thank God for His Word. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you this morning to be a part of God's SS squad. Amen. Sacrifice and stretching. We have some prayer counselors here that will pray for you. They could please come at this time. If you need prayer for anything, 
like uh, physical, financial need that you might have, spiritual need, need somebody to agree with you in prayer, please come forward. They'd be glad to pray with you and believe God with you. Amen. Praise God. Well, if I don't see you next week, we're going to be having church here next week on the 23rd, obviously. Uh, but it's a great time of the year to celebrate and be with friends and, and to uh, let your light shine. Praise God. So if I don't see you, have a Merry Christmas and tell somebody about Jesus. Step out of that comfort zone. Tell somebody about Jesus. Invite them to church. And uh, I know you'll be blessed. But if you do need prayer, please come forward. One of these prayer counselors will pray for you. We have some fellowship, some refreshments in the back. Please join us there. God bless you, everybody. You're free to go. And I want you to know that he can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org.